Welcome to City Hope London's Sermon Podcast. To find out more about us, visit www.cityhope.london. Brilliant. How's everyone doing? We're doing well? Ah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Before I start um, uh, the sermon, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Firstly, a massive thank you to everyone who got involved in lots of different ways over the Christmas period. We had a wonderful time. Our choir was amazing, wasn't it? And um, I think Charlie in particular. <laughs> Certain things go down in City Hope history, and I think, um, certainly I think that does. But, um, but also the, the food bank and the cat team that worked so tirelessly and so beautifully over that time. I, I promise you, uh, our CAP and food bank team are like the envy of many churches because it's such a phenomenal team. And I'm always, I'm always so proud to tell people about our team and, and what they do every, every week and how amazing they are. So thank you. And then, obviously, there was, there was all sorts of stuff. Kwame was doing all sorts of crazy stuff with, with the youth and it was a, an amazing time. And I'm sure loads of other stuff went on. And I just want to say a massive thank you. It's a real opportunity to uh, serve and bring some joy to our community. Uh, and I think we did that well. So thank you so much for that. Over Christmas, there are a, a couple of bits of church family news that I wanted to let you know about. The first one is a really exciting and a beautiful thing because we had a City Hope wedding and now um, Bev and Sean are Mr. and Mrs. Lowney. Absolutely wonderful. It's so good. It's so exciting. And in a moment, I want to pray for you guys, but it's, it's just so exciting to see you on your adventure and uh, really excited to see how that flourishes over the years. So um, a, a little bit of sad news as well. Um, many of you uh, will know, so my clicker doesn't seem to be clicking, will remember John. Um, John passed away over Christmas. Um, he's uh, Big John. This, is, this was the best photo this was the photo he would have liked us to have shown. Um, and we're going we're gonna to share, next week we've got a very special um, week actually. We're going to celebrate the work of CAP over the last 15 years. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about John then. But the amazing thing about John was he, when he first came, it's fair to say he wasn't, he wasn't that happy with God. <laughs> and he wasn't, you know, he's quite um, suspicious of the church. But over... A couple of years, um, he really like people were talking to him. He sh- he heard the gospel. He did Alpha, um, and he gave his life to Jesus um, in just in uh, November. It was I met powerfully with the Holy Spirit. So I can be I can be uh, assured that he has gone to meet with his Father in heaven, which is great news, isn't it? Um, the other bit of of family news, and and if you've been around for a, a long time, you might remember. Um, a, a couple called Steve and Andrea, the Macintosh family, massive part of City Hope for so many years. Really um, a, a family that were kind of part of the formation of City Hope as we know it, a big part of the welcome team. Um, jo- uh, Steve sadly uh, got brain cancer, and um, pretty quickly after that, in, in over Christmas period, he passed away. 
Um, so uh, we, we're, we're actually going to have his funeral here on the 21st of um, uh, January. Um, we, uh, uh, if, you knew, if you knew him and if you want to uh, stand with um, Andrew at this time and the family, I'd love us to get here. It's 11 o'clock on the um, Saturday morning. Um, it will be a real celebration because this guy just loved Jesus and spent his whole life sharing, sharing the love of Jesus with so many people. Um, so we're really thankful for him and he deserves a, a great send-off as he goes to be with his father in heaven as well. So, so there's the, the family news. Today, actually, I'm, I'm not starting a series. This is a one-off. This is a, although it's a week ago, this is a New Year's uh, kind of sermon for you. Uh, and then next week, we have our, our special, and then Rebecca will, will be kicking off our brand new series, looking at the book of, or the letter to, of Peter, uh, the week after that. But if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow, um, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, but I'm going to read it as well. And it says, is there people opening their Bibles before I shoot on? Here we go. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the, the, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." So I've called this sermon today, Counting Our Days and Fixing Our Eyes, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one Christmas when I was pretty young, mum and dad uh, brought us kids a NES, a Nintendo Entertainment System. It was the first Nintendo out, and it was a pretty big deal in those days. It was very exciting, and there was a, ga there was a game on it um, called, and you have to be very careful when you say it, it's called Duck Hunt. And uh, it was a great game. It was a great game. And um, it was like, it, it wasn't quite Call of Duty, but it, it, it got us going in that kind of direction. And basically, a duck would come on the screen and you'd shoot it. That's amazing, isn't it? And then another one would come. And, and uh, anyway, so that was basically the game. But the interesting thing about this game was, um, for, because of the technology, every now and then you had to recalibrate the gun, which means you had to go on a special screen and, and shoot it in different places so that it, the, the aim was right. And if you left it for any period of time, you'd be shooting that way and the gun would go off on the screen that way or, or vice versa. And so every 10 minutes maybe, you'd have to go onto a special screen and shoot at it in order to get the gun to go straight. You had to recalibrate. And in, in many ways, I think on the Christian journey of life, there are moments where you just have to recalibrate. You know your aim. You know what you're going for. You're fixing your eyes on Jesus. But every now and then you realize, I'm going off to the left a little bit, or I'm going off to the right, or I'm just gone slightly in the wrong direction. And at that moment, what you need to do is stop and recalibrate and fix your eyes back on your author and perfecter of your faith. 
And I, I want to use that as a bit of an analogy for us today because my desire, especially in light of the fact that we've lost a couple of brothers um, over the last few days, my desire is that every single one of us lives our lives fixed on Jesus so that the thing he's calling us to do, the things he's put on our heart, the, the race he's marked out for us, we're actually on the whole time. So we need to learn to sometimes come and say, actually, God, I need to get back on target again. I need to recalibrate. You see, the reality is life is short. That's, that's, that's the reality. And as I get older, and when I sneeze and throw my back out, <laughs> I realize... <laughs> I realize life is short. I've just started reading uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. And he says that the average, and it's true, he, uh, the average human lives around 25,915 days. 25,915 days. Now, tragically, some people live a lot less than that. And a lot of people, especially in the West, live longer than that. Uh, and when I first thought about that, that number, 25,915, I thought, oh, wow, that's a pretty long time. 25,000. How many times cleaning your teeth? Probably more for me, but cleaning your teeth is that. Having cups of tea, meeting with people. 25,915 days is a long time. But then I, real, then I did something silly, and I tried to work out how many days I've had already. <laughs> And then I, that looked a bit bleaker, actually, because I realized I am more, I am more than middle-aged. I'm more than middle because I've already, of my 25,915, I've already had 14,263 days. So, so here's, here, uh, the pie chart was very helpful, but it was very scary. And then I thought, okay, um, I, put my, I channeled my inner Dave Staunton and I thought, I can, I can massage these figures by changing it from a pie chart to a bar graph. Do you want to see my bar graph? It didn't look much better. <laughs> then I thought, the best thing I can do is compare it to someone else and see what they get. <laughs> there you go, John. You've got a little bit left. Your line of impending death <laughs> is pretty close. But it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating thing to think, isn't it? And you know, in Psalm 39, verse 4, it says this verse. Just listen to this verse, all right, and see if you would pray this kind of thing, because David prayed this. He said, Lord, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeting away. Has anyone ever prayed that prayer before? Yeah. Oh, we have had a few. See, for a lot of us, I think our prayer would be kind of different, because that, for some people, might sound quite morbid. Maybe instead you would pray something more like, God, don't tell me how long I've got, and like, let me have a light, nice full life, and then take me away quietly in my sleep. That might be your prayer. But this prayer he prays is pretty uh, kind of... Like interesting, like don't just tell me, uh, remind me how many days I've got left. So why does he do that? And here's the thing: if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe that you you've got a Maker who's who's got plans for you in in this day, today while you're alive, but also in the future, 
then actually the idea of counting your days can feel quite morbid. It can feel quite, I don't want to know. I don't want to look at that. But David had a, a special perspective. He believed, what he believed about faith and future hope and life, when you realize what he believed, it's actually not such a morbid prayer. And if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus all the days of your life, then knowing that your days are numbered shouldn't be as tragic or sad or concerning as perhaps sometimes it is for us. And like David, I think sometimes it's worth us considering, maybe not all the time, but sometimes it's worth considering that our days are numbered. David understood that there is a fragility, a shortness, an urgency about the time God has given us. David also understood that there was a hope beyond his circumstances, there was a hope beyond uh, his troubles, and there was a hope beyond the grave. Now, by the standards of David's day, he was, he was doing pretty well for himself. He had a good following of people. He would become king of Israel. He would live to be an old man and see many days. Also, he knew that he had been anointed by God, the sovereign king of heaven and earth, to be king of God's people, Israel, which is a pretty significant and strong base to live your life. And yet, though he had all these promises, though he had all these privileges, he didn't put his ultimate hope into any of these things. He knew that they were temporary and fragile, even if they were given to him by God. So what did he put his hope in? Well, the next verse, or the verse uh, 6 and 7 says, Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. You know what? David could have been distracted by so many things in his life. He could have been knocked off course left and right. In fact, he was distracted by many things. Sometimes he took women uh, that weren't his own, that took, took wives for himself that didn't belong to him. And God would come and rebuke him and say, sort it out. And he'd have to recalibrate his life, his thinking, his way of living and say, God, I am sorry. Help me fix my eyes back on you. Sometimes he'd get obsessed with power and fame. And God would come in and say, that's not right, David. You need to recalibrate your thinking and fix your eyes back on eternal things. And you know, for us, there are moments in life where we've just got to recalibrate. We've just got to remember what it is that we have, what our purpose is, what God is calling us to do. Why? Because our time is brief. And if our days are numbered, what we want to be asking is, how can I make the most of what he has given me? How can I ensure that my life doesn't just veer off to the left or to the right? The writer of the Hebrews encourages us to do that by thinking about our life as, a, as an endurance race as a marathon. And in a marathon, a runner has to get rid of certain things and he has to take on certain things. He has to, well, in original marathons back in the day, they have to run naked. That's what they had to get rid of, all their clothes and stuff like that. You don't have to do that. Although apparently in 2012, Boris Johnson suggested that that happened in the Olympics. I think it was a joke. I hope it was a joke. Um, 
but, but they, we have to get rid of a few things. We have to um, prepare our minds for the brutal pounding that it's about to take. And then secondly, uh, thirdly, we have to take hold of a few things. So what must we get rid of? The first verse we read said, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there are two things we have to get rid of. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangled, entangles us. What's the difference between the two? Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, not everything we need to get rid of in life would come up in a list of sins, come up in a list of things that are wrong to do. Sometimes the things we have to get rid of are good things, but they can put us out in the, of the race. In fact, from time to time, what happens is good things that we have become ultimate things. They become the center of our attention. They become the thing we fixate on. They become the thing that we aim at. And that is a problem when we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Just listen to this, uh, this, this um, list of things. Work, sleep, relationships, family, food, money, clothes, time off, holiday, hobbies, even church. All of these things are good things. But when any of them become the most important thing about us, we've allowed that thing to become a hindrance. And when they become a hindrance, they can take us off the course that God's got us on. They can cause us to lose our faith, our focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus warns a similar thing in the parable of the sower. Do you remember that parable where a farmer comes out and sows seed? This is a story Jesus told. And some of it falls on a path and gets pecked up by birds. And then others of it grow really nicely. And some of this seed goes and starts to grow, but then gets choked by lots of the stuff of life, thorns and thistles and things like that. And his disciples came to Jesus and said, what does this all mean? And Jesus said, well, sometimes the kingdom of God begins to grow in a person's life. But what happens is they allow the fears, the concerns, the worries of life to consume them, and the kingdom of God gets choked out and it dies in them. And Jesus warns us against that. He says, you know, these good things, all these good things that we, we need, that we want, that we have, can become the ultimate thing, and that's the problem. So the question is, how do we stop good things, important things, God-given things, from becoming a hindrance? Well, what we do is we reorder uh, our priorities, and we trust in Jesus. Jesus said, after, uh, uh, another point, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. And to have faith in Jesus is to have faith that that is a true promise, that as we go for his kingdom, as we go for loving and honoring him in our lives, everything else we need the family, the finances, all of the different things we need will get sorted because of him and he will provide our needs. So if there are things in your life that are good things, but they've become the ultimate thing, 
they actually stop you from putting your trust in Jesus, then you need to do something because it's become a hindrance. You need to reprioritize and reorder. You need to recalibrate. And perhaps even today, after I've spoken, it's a time just to come fresh to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, I've put this thing first. It's a good thing, but I've put it first. Help me get rid of it, put you in place, and get it all in the right perspective. So he says, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you know why God wants us to get rid of the sin in our lives? It's because it slows us down, it traps and ensnares us, it hurts us and others, and sin stops us from drawing close to him. God doesn't hate sin because he's boring, selfish, prudish, or power hungry. That's not why he hates sin. He hates it because it's damaging and it keeps us from having a good relationship with him. And it distorts the image of God in us. You know what? When you go out into the world, you are called to be an ambassador of Jesus. That means you are called to represent him in the place where you live, where you work, where you hang out, where you do what you do. And whenever you're living your life, there are others, if they know you're a Christian, there are others looking at the way you're living and saying, well, what does this teach me about Jesus? What does this teach me about what it means to be a follower of Christ? And so we need to make sure that we are representing him. And if we're spending our lives sinning, you know, doing stuff that we know is not right, other people are watching on and thinking, actually... There's, there's a hypocrisy going on. There's something that I don't like about this. So when you identify areas of sin in your life, I want to encourage you, be savage with it. Don't let it trap you or ensnare you. Bring it to the light. Even this morning, you might realize, oh, there are areas of sin in my life, things that I've allowed to get into my life. What did Jesus say? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Recalibrate your life. Fix your eyes back on him and say, I'm not having any of that anymore. So we've fixed, we've, we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So the next thing we have to do is prepare to take a pounding. The next verse said, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's a crazy thought. Did you know that you have a race marked out for you. God has got plans and purposes for your life. He knows what he wants from you. He's got, he's got great ideas and he's got great purposes for you to be living in. The question is, how do you know where to run? How do you identify what that purpose is? If you do the 5K run, the park run here on a Saturday morning, it's pretty obvious the path that you're supposed to take because there's, uh, there's people there telling you go that way or there's arrows saying go this way. So as you're running, you know the path marked out for you. How do we work out how, what, what path Christ has marked out for each one of us? It's quite a complex and tricky thing to work out, but I've come up with a solution. Do you want to know my solution? It's a GPS system. Okay, here we go. GPS system. You can remember this, and this will help you work out where you've got to go. First question you ask is, what, what's God saying? What's God saying? Is there a prophetic call on your life? 
Do you know God's spoken to you powerfully in the past? You, you just know, so maybe it was through someone praying for you or just bringing a word to you, and you know it was God speaking. Perhaps it was as you were just in the presence of God one time. He laid something on your heart. You know God has spoken to you. And are you living in the light of that? Are you kind of moving towards that thing? That's the first thing, what God's saying. Second thing is, what do people see in you? Sorry, that writing's really small, isn't it? What do people see in you? What, as people kind of speak to you, what, do they, what gifts do they see deposited in you? What, I, don't know, I don't know, like I, I look at different people and I think, oh man, they're so gifted in, in lots of different ways. And, and actually, I think it's really important that as a church, we're good at encouraging one another, that we're good at calling out the gifting in people. You're really hospitable. You're amazing with, with kids. You're whatever it is, you, we, we encourage one another so that people can see what, what actually, what gifting that they've been given. And the third one is, what's your soul saying? What's your internal call? What is it? Those things, those, the things you care about. Maybe you're thinking, why don't other people care so much about what I care about? Maybe it's because God's put something in you um, as part of the, the, the race marked out for you to live in the good of that, to lean into that as you live your life. So they're, they're three things. What's God saying? What are people saying? And what's your own soul saying? And then I'll add one more thing here. Everyday faithfulness. As you try to live out your faith, just be everyday faithful. Like, just try... What's, what's the verse in, in, um, in the Psalms where it says, um, I'm going to hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. It says, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet. And as you... As you live day by day, just putting this stuff into practice, actually what you're doing is you're honouring the, the word and the call of Christ in your life. So you're, you're kind to people. That's one of the things we're called to do as, as Christians, and it makes us distinctive when we're kind to others. When we just live righteously. If you uh, work in the city, for example, and your business ethic it's full of righteousness. Others will notice that. And when you go out on a Friday evening, the way you conduct yourself will actually speak volumes to others watching. And that's what, that's what God's calling us to do. That's the, mar the race marked out. Um, and, and generosity, there's a great verse, I don't know if I put it, I didn't put it up here. There's a great verse uh, just after this in Hebrews. It says, do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifice pleases, pleases God. When we're generous to those in need, that's like a, a, a beautiful sacrifice in the eyes of God. He loves it. He loves seeing it. It's like an, a form of worship is being generous with other people. Um, a, a few nights ago, actually, we got a phone call about, or it was a text, at about 10.30, and um, it was our neighbor asking Ali if she could come around and help her with some stuff. And I, we were like ready to go to bed in our PJs. We were, we were there, ready to go. And, um, and, and I got this message, and I was like, oh, let's just say we'll go in the morning. But Ali felt real like, no, I should go now. So she went and got dressed and went and spent some time with his neighbor and came back an hour later or something like that. That's just 
kindness. That's just her serving someone who needed some help in that moment. And, and, and those kind of things are just how we live our day-to-day life, running the race that Christ has called us to do. So I've nearly finished now, and we're going to spend some time worshipping in a, in a while, but I just want to finish by saying this. Running the race marked out for us doesn't necessarily equal comfort or security or every day is going to be happy. We don't, at City Hope, we don't preach a, a prosperity gospel of, you know, if you're a real good Christian, then you're going you're gonna to be really blessed. You will be blessed, but not necessarily in the material sense, not necessarily in that health sense all the time. I've got a bad back. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff going on. That's, that's not something wrong with my faith. That's just part of being human. And one day I'll stand before him and that will all be gone. And praise God for that. There isn't a promise of everything's going to be fine if you follow Jesus. But there is a promise that for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. When you look at people like Noah, who had to build an ark in the middle of a desert, when you look at someone like Abraham, who had to give up the luxuries of his homeland in order to follow God to where he called him, when you think of Moses, who had to wander around a desert for years and years with a load of grumpy, moany people. When you think of Jesus, who gave up everything, who gave up the the glory of heaven and even gave up his life when he was here on earth, you you realize, actually, we're not being promised an easy life over in these years that we've been given, but it is worth it. It is worth it for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So I want to encourage us as we begin this new year to be people that constantly recalibrate our lives. Can I just say, that's one of the reasons we meet every week, is to recalibrate, to fix our eyes back on the author and perfecter of our faith. That's why all our songs have to be about Jesus, or or our Father in heaven, or the Holy Spirit, because, because we want to fix our eyes back on the author and perfecter of our faith. And I'd encourage you, if you if you're part of City Hope, come here as often as you can. Obviously, sometimes there'll be moments where you're like, I can't come this week. But the majority of the time, you should be here. Or if you're in another church, make sure you commit to it because it's your opportunity, along with everyone else, to fix our eyes back on the author and perfecter of our faith. Can we be people that even maybe over this year, you, over this next week, you just think, God, what, what are you calling me to? If you're part of a family, perhaps you ask, what, God, what are you calling us to? And am I being true to what God is calling me to? Or do I need to make some adjustments? Has something become major in my life where actually it needs to come under the authority of Jesus again? So the best way I think we can respond right now is to take communion together. So I'm going to invite the band back up again. And we've got a bit of time. So we're going we're gonna to take communion, and that's the opportunity for us to fix our eyes again on Jesus, remind ourselves of who this is all for and why we're doing it. And then we can, after we've done that, maybe you can just commit your life again to Jesus. 
And you can, if there are areas that you think, I need to give this back to him, I need to repent of that, I need to say sorry for that, then do it. Because um, Jesus, does, you know that the verse that we read at the beginning, it didn't say, look, if you're full of sin and, and stuff like that, then there's no hope for you. It says, no, get rid of it. Get rid of it. So when we come to the cross, when we come to the table, we can say, thank you, Jesus, that by your blood uh, poured out for me, I can know forgiveness and I can live in that, in the good of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm just going to pray. And as I said, we've got time, so you can, you can make your way to the table when you feel you want to do that. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, I, I want to thank you that um, we, we don't have to count our days in a way that is full of fear, or full of sadness or full of concern. Lord, I, th- I thank you, Lord, we can take those. Every day is, is one of the opportunities you've given us to bring you glory, to bring you praise, to draw close to you, to honor you with every part of our lives. And I pray that we would take those days uh, joyfully and seriously. Lord God, that each one of us, Lord, would would live with a sense of anticipation, Lord. We've got eternity with you, but we've got right now to do some business with you. Lord, I pray for older people in City Hope. Their days are not done yet. Lord, they've got more glory and honor to bring you. They've got more gifts to contribute. They've got more wisdom to share with, with younger generations. Lord, I pray for those that feel, felt they had a calling. I, I spoke to a couple of people today who've already this morning who said, you know, I felt I had this calling, but then health issues took it in, in a different way. I pray for, the, for those mighty women, Lord God, that, that they would know your call, the race marked out for them. Lord, we, wanna, we, we rejoice in the fact that you've given us life and we want to use it for your glory and to the best of our ability. Lord, may, it, may our lives be things that bring you glory and serve others in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, anyone here who's stuck in sin, Lord, let them recalibrate today to shake off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Lord, may they not leave this place until that is dealt with. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.